Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Rutia. Gabby had a busy weekend. It's seven-on-seven season. Football never stops, especially in South Florida. We'll get, we'll get into that here later in the podcast. Um, Gabby, let's just jump into it. Let's start with kind of the main talking point I guess to to lead off with uh, that's still noteworthy and that is Mario Cristobal still filling out his coaching staff Um, I do think you know I think the fan base is being pretty patient quite frankly Um, I will also say you know look I don't think there's necessarily any rush to make any hires until uh, this dead period is lifted, which, you know, basically happens this weekend, right? So as long as he has, I don't know, 90% of his staff hired uh, by this weekend, I don't think this, you know, taking its time process of filling out the staff is necessarily a bad thing. Um, So let's jump into it. Since our last podcast, there's been some official announcements. Um, the Oregon crew is in. Wide receiver Brian McClendon. Uh, he also has a co-offensive coordinator role. Uh, offensive line coach Alex Mirabal has, a, I think it's like an assistant head coach role as well. Yeah. Uh, Joe Salavea, does he have an assistant head coach role as well? I think so. So we're, we're just handing out titles all yeah, over the place. we're just dishing which, out titles all over. Which is over good. I mean, you know, basically that's like pay raise stuff. And it's also good for their careers. You know, if they need to move on or want to move on, uh, it helps them, you know, continue their rise in their next stops if that happens. And then strength coach Aaron Feld has also been officially announced. Um, I think since the last podcast, right, the only change from the Oregon crew that we kind of expected to come over was Jim Mastro, the running backs coach. Uh, I think for a long time that was the expectation, uh, but he has decided to take a year off from coaching due to health slash family reasons. Um, So wish coach Mastro the best with all that going on in his life. Tremendous running backs coach would have been a, a big time addition to this staff, uh, but that's not going to happen. So there's still plenty of spots to fill on this coaching staff. Both coordinators still have not been officially announced. So let's get into it. And again, I don't 
I mean, there's not necessarily anything new to report uh, in terms of like guys that are emerging as a front runner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at OC, I still think Kendall Bryles is in the mix. The only thing I'll say about that is, you know, it's I'm under the understanding um, due to talking to various sources that, you know, from the Arkansas side of things, uh, he in Arkansas, or Arkansas, I should say, is working towards giving him an extension slash raise. And so, you know, similar to the Mario Cristobal situation, what, back in November or early December, um, you know, when we didn't hear any news out of Oregon that something has happened with Mario signing an extension, et cetera, et cetera, that being good news for Miami, I would put that situation with Bryles in a, in a similar bucket, right? Um, so I still think, I still think maybe conversations are happening, you know, but Mario is being thorough. Um, so I do think he's still on the table. I also think, and Gabby, you can kind of go more into this, I think. We have reasons to believe that there is a small school uh, yeah. offensive coordinator that is quote unquote creative on the table. We had reasons to believe just connecting dots that that would be Frank Ponce, who is the App State offensive coordinator, did a good job coordinating that offense this year, uh, worked on Mario Cristobal's FIU staff, I believe as the wide receivers coach. Uh, went on and followed Scott Satterfeld, who is a Mario Cristobal, former offensive coordinator at FIU. Um, so we had reason to believe it was him. And then our colleague at Inside the U, Christopher Stock, reported on Sunday that he has heard, like, you and I both, Gabby, have not flat out been told, yeah, Frank Ponce is, is, right. is a guy. But Chris Stock kind of reported he's hearing that he is a guy being considered. Uh, you want to share just kind of what, how, you, how you found out he just by connecting dots again, he right. wasn't named, but how we figured out he might be in the mix. Yeah. I know that coach Cristobal was on a, was on a call with a recruits father and sort of hinted to him that they were down to about three coordinators, three offensive coordinators. And um, the, he did mention that there was a small school coach involved one again, one that's, you know, runs a creative offense that, you know, knows how to draw it up and all those types of things. And again, just connecting dots. I mean, there was no names passed along or anything like that. Um, I just, I think it was pretty safe to assume that Frank Ponce was maybe a small school guy or at least a small school option, just considering, you know, the history, what you just mentioned, David it goes back to, you know, the FIU staff. I think his root, his roots are here in, in Miami. And um, you know, again, just a guy that has a personal connection with coach Cristobal, even last uh, you know, summer was a guy that was walking around Miami's campus, you know, right. recruiting for App State. So, um, again, probably someone that would be open and willing to, you know, come down here and coach. Right. I do think, too, it's interesting, right, that I think if Manny Diaz was retained, uh, I think Frank Ponce probably would have been his hire as offensive coordinator yeah. to, um, you know, follow up on the Rhett Lashley era. So Frank Ponce makes sense in terms of, like, He's a balanced offensive guy, uh, wants to establish the run, et cetera, et cetera. 
he's called plays. You know, I think this might have been his first year calling plays at App State, but he proved to uh, to do a, a pretty good job. I, I think it's safe to say they had a top 40 offense at App State this year. And honestly, like borderline top 30, depending on the metrics you look at. So um, had a good year there. I do think there is interest from Miami side with Ken Dorsey. But everything I've kind of been told about that is Dorsey thinks he would, he's going to get an NFL offensive coordinator shot here soon. And so that would be his preference. Um, so again, I'm not ruling that out, but I, I think he's more likely to stay in the NFL. Um, again, our colleague Christopher Stock reported on Rob Chudzinski um, staying most likely in Boston college or, or in, or not coming to Miami, I guess. Um, mainly because of family reasons, uh, just not a good time to move. Yeah. Um, I've also, I've also heard that, you know, Chud likes it up there and he's like him and his family are very comfortable up there. Right. So, you know, that's interesting as well. And, and look, too, I, I would bet there are probably some NFL options. You know, today, this Monday, uh, is the first Monday of the NFL regular season ending. So, you know, there's head coaches getting fired. Um, I'm sure there will be offensive coordinators getting fired, et cetera, et cetera. I would not be surprised if Mario Cristobal kicks the tires on whoever it might be. Um, some, some offensive coordinator options at that level too. He is again, being very thorough. Um, let's stay on that side of the ball. Gabby, you reported on a running, a a potential running backs coach candidate, uh, interviewing for the job. Tell us who it is, what we need to know there. Yeah, that's uh, Ole Miss running back coach Kevin Smith. Again, I mean, a lot of people that just have been around South Florida football know that Kevin Smith's the guy that played his high school ball at Miami Southridge before, you know, I believe he became an All-American at UCF and then, you know, played in the league for some time. He started his career coaching with Lane Kiffin at FAU, followed him to Ole Miss. Um, you know, I was talking to I was talking to recruits this weekend. Someone, One of them brought up Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, the first person they mentioned when talking about Ole Miss was Kevin Smith. So, again, a guy that has deep ties to South Florida and, you know, does a lot of recruiting for them down here. And, you know, I think, again, if that were to be the hire for Miami, uh, I think it would be one that could have some strong recruiting implications because I do think he has a stronghold on on the area, especially, you know, Dade County, you know, just like really, you know, even like the southern schools like Miami, Killian, South and all that stuff, the area that he grew up in. And, um, you know, so I think that that could be, you know, if Jim Mastro didn't work out, I think Kevin Smith would be a, a really good replacement option should that sort of come through. Yeah, he makes sense on a couple fronts. You mentioned the local ties, local recruiting aspect, um, which is the biggest thing, right? Uh, I do also think it's interesting that there is a, a little bit of a Kendall Bryles connection there because, uh, you know, they were both on that, I think it was yeah. the first Lane Kiffin Probably, staff yeah. at FAU, right? In 2017. So Bryles was the OC there. Um, I would imagine, you know, Bryles would be okay coaching with Kevin Smith again, um, since they've already done it before. So interesting there. I'm, I'm sure there's other running back coaches names to know too. Um, we just don't know them yet at this point. Um, tight ends coach. 
you know, look, I don't, I don't know how possible this is, but I still do think James Coley is the top target. Um, I just don't think he necessarily wants to come to Miami to only be the tight ends coach. Uh, James Coley wants to be a play caller. Everyone knows this. Um, so there is a little bit of a impasse there, but Mario Cristobal is always recruiting. So we'll see if he can convince him to make that move. Um, yeah. you know, James Coley, probably not going to ever be a play caller at Texas A&M. Uh, so, you know, he has a decision to make right now. I don't think he's going to come to Miami, but again, I do think he's the top target. Yeah. I do think it's also worth noting that Stephen Field offered a couple of 2023 tight ends sure. uh, on Monday. So uh, I guess you could take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, again, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if James Cooley's still, you know, an option, but I know Stephen Field's dishing out some. So that's something to definitely watch out for. Definitely. I think Eric Hickson could also be in the mix too at running backs, right? Um, I wouldn't rule that out either. Um, right. Defensive coordinator. You know, I think there's mainly four guys to know, but I think it's kind of, I don't know if I want to like narrow myself to this, but uh, I think it's looking like a two guy race right now between Clint Hurt and Doug Belk. Yeah. That's just kind of my read on it. I think also maybe Glenn Schumann is in the mix. I will say this Glenn Schumann, that buzz has kind of died down to me. Uh, in recent weeks. Um, but again, maybe that's just because Mario hasn't really been talking to him, uh, you know, because he's still coaching in a game that's being played tonight, Alabama, Georgia. So um, maybe there's still conversations to be had there, but I think the expectation is for Schumann to stay at Georgia. Um, Derek Mason too, I think is a name that lingers, but yeah. I don't think he's as high up on the DC yeah. list as like, hurt or belk so i don't think that i don't think mario and Derek mason have like directly spoken yet i think that okay I'm, from what i understand i think that their agents. agents have have touched base but i don't think crystal ball and Derek mason have like officially spoken about it good good to know um so let's go back to hurt and belk i think they both honestly i know there's a lot of anti-hurt uh views out there from the fan base I get it, um, but I'm not as down on that idea as I guess the fan, some of the fan base might be. Um, so let's start there with Clint Hurt. Gabby, just what is your, you know, instant reaction if Clint Hurt is hired as the DC? How do you view that? Yeah, I don't think I would hate it, honestly. I mean, just kind of digging and even just talking to people that were around when he was like at Louisville and how he recruited over there. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a guy that recruits, uh, again, I, I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not going to be totally against the guy that spent the last five years, you know, coaching alongside Pete Carroll, who I right. mean, I think is one of the best coaches in the NFL, uh, just someone that's, you know, really just developed, grown in the league, uh, you know, a guy that's really coached some of the best defensive linemen in the game. You consider, you know, Frank Clark and Jadavian Clowney, um, you know, Michael Bennett and some, you know, guys like that, um, so, you know, I think I'd be open to it. Uh, again, I'm not sure where I would be skeptical is just his ability as a play caller if he's ready Absolutely. to call plays on sure. defense. I know that's probably one of the biggest hurdles for some of those defensive linemen turned defensive coordinators. 
David, I know we've talked about it. I know, I mean, you know, you have like the Rex Ryans, uh, Buddy Ryans, uh, Dan, Dan Quinn's Quinn. guys, you know, yeah. guys that have done it successfully before. Um, so again, the it's, it's possible it's been done before, but I think that that's probably the biggest question mark is, you know, how is he going to be able to call it? And I think if he can, if he's ready for that, then, you know, I, th- I, I think I could be on board with that for sure. Yeah. And just remembering him a little bit from his stint at Miami, um, you know, he is highly intelligent. He understands schemes. Um, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where you don't know how good you are at it till you're doing it. But I do think Clint Hurt has the ability to do it. Um, I would read that higher. Number one, you mentioned the recruiting angle. We all know Mario Cristobal values that highly. So it makes sense in that regard. I kind of like it too from a line of scrimmage standpoint, yeah. right? Because, it would be heavy. yes, he would be sending a message that, hey, this Miami staff, we're all in on O line and D line because, you know, offensive line wise, they have essentially two full time coaches handling that area in Mario Cristobal, who in practice primarily works with the offensive line. And then, of course, Alex Mirabal. Uh, they kind of double team that they also have a big time analyst that they are fans of Cody Woodyill, um, who turned down the Nevada offensive line job to come be an analyst at Miami. So, uh, they got that side of the ball covered. We know Joe Salavea is a defensive line coach at Miami right now. And then to have Clint hurt, who I would assume work with that group as well, heavily, um, would definitely send a message, right? Um, I think that's part of the reason, honestly, why Mario is so good at recruiting offensive linemen because offensive linemen know, hey, I'm going to get a ton of attention, a ton of coaching if I go play for Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal. Um, I think he would be making that same case to defensive linemen with a hire like Clint Hurt. Um, and I think, you, to, I think, ahead. oh, just really quick. I mean, just even on that, like, I, a reason why I like that is that I feel like the skill positions are typically just going to be there for Miami. Like, I'm not sure it's ever been an issue, like, actually getting wide receivers on the roster or recruiting wide receivers or even like, you know, the skill position guys, cornerbacks, and all that stuff. So, just diving into the trenches like that, like, I'm right. totally cool with all that. It's what separates the good from the elite teams, yeah. right? Um, you've seen that, you see that when you're watching tonight. the college football playoff, you're gonna, definitely going to see it tonight. Right. I mean, I think that it's obvious that that's a big separating factor in, in everything. Right. So I wouldn't be against the Clint Hurt hire at all. Um, I get the hesitance with the play calling thing. I, I understand that. To me, um, I think, especially kind of at the college level, you know, NFL is different, right? I think game planning in the NFL is much more important than in college. Um, But to me in college football, I want the best athletes I could possibly get on defense, right? I mean, scheme and, and game planning and coordinating during a game certainly matters. But in my opinion, in college football, that matters more on offense than it does on defense. On defense, give me the guys the best athletes, the guys that can impact the game, the guys that can read and react during a game. Uh, give me those freaks, those game changers, right? We see that with Georgia. Um, you could, 
Georgia can just play straight up and uh, still cause havoc. You know, (laughs) I think you could make that argument with the 01 Canes, right? Like Randy Shannon's not known as some like big time creative defensive schemer. Um, He just had a, he had a ridiculous amount of talent to work with on that 01 team and they went out and balled out and he did put them in the right positions to make plays. Um, but yeah, that's just my view, uh, recruiting, 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 let's transition to Doug Belk. What have you, cause we've both been learning more about all these guys. What, what's impressed you about Belk? Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot, I feel like there's just a lot to like with Doug Belk too. I mean, obviously a young up and comer, I feel like he's kind of one of those next up type of defensive coordinators. Um, that's on the verge of being, you know, pretty much like a household name. I feel like we kind of saw it happen with Marcus Freeman a few years ago as a Cincinnati defensive coordinator before, you know, he got his shot at Notre Dame, obviously the head coach at Notre Dame. Now that's probably a quicker career path than I maybe envisioned a Doug Belk having, but, you know, I think he could sort of be that next up and co- up, up and comer. He's already making pretty good money at Houston from what I understand. I think he just got an extension. That's basically going to pay him a yeah. million dollars a year at right. Houston. So he's already, you know, up there in terms of like the pay scale. So, you know, I'm pretty sure Miami would be able to give him more than that. I mean, just considering yeah. the, the pool. So, I mean, you'd probably have to, you know, get, get, get in there. And I guess if he just signed an extension, there's probably a nice little buyout there too. But regardless, I think he's someone that would be exciting. Again, came from that, that Nick Saban coaching tree. I love right. that he was a GA, you know, under Saban who coaches the corners. You talk about a head coach like Mario works with the offensive line. That's Nick Saban with the corners again. So this is a guy that, that, that Doug Belk was learning directly under. And so, you know, I think it's a re- I think it could be a really exciting opportunity. Um, you know, someone, you know, obviously not in the trenches the way Clinton Hurd is, but a guy that could maybe hold down the secondary and uh, you know, with T-Rob back there, you're going to have two specialists again, if assuming that the whole circle of things works out, I know T-Rob has some options as well, potentially, so, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Doug Belk. I loved the way that they played against that Auburn team, you know, just sort of didn't back down, attacked and, you know, really beat Auburn in a bowl game. And I think that's a huge deal for a program like Houston. So, you know, I, I'm all aboard the, the Doug Belk thing too. Yeah. I think he's an intriguing hire too. He's, he's viewed as one of the best young up and coming defensive coordinators in college football. So, uh, you know, I think he was a Broyles Award semifinalist this year. Uh, you look at Houston's metrics, their numbers this year. I think they were, you know, prior to bowl season. I don't know if this is still the case, uh, but they were number one in the country in third down defense. Yeah. Other other metrics were, were superb as well. So they were top ten in multiple other categories. Top fifteen. Right. They were basically top a top twenty defense in every major category. Top ten in a lot of others. Top fifteen. You know, they they, they were one of the best in the country which you wouldn't necessarily expect of houston right exactly. houston is known for offense uh g5 teams are known for offense um so good coaching job there i think it makes sense too from the standpoint of you know with the way the game's going uh with rpos you know becoming more and more of a thing each year in college football you got to have corners that can play man coverage, right? Uh, you got to have corners Absolutely. that can uh, play that matchup zone coverage if you want to play it that way or, or however. But um, so having a, a guy that knows how to develop, coach, recruit oh, yeah. corners is highly valued. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would feel good about either one of those. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, I don't know how to handicap it, honestly. Um, right. So we will see. And from there on the defensive staff, it's hard to like, it's like putting a puzzle together. It's just mm-hmm. it's hard to know, like linebackers coach. Cause I think these DCs will have a say in who they hire. Right. right? Um, That's probably yeah. a, a big part of the holdup is just trying to figure it out and what right. the specialty of the hire is so that you can maybe do something else. And, and you mentioned T Rob, you know, I do think, uh, he could stay on staff, right? I think that's the expectation, but I think if he gets an opportunity at Georgia or Alabama, he's probably going to take that opportunity. And so, you know, that would hire, that would open up another DB coach situation. So again, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of puzzle pieces to put together on all this. Um, We're sharing what we know, and, and quite frankly, Mario's keeping things tight. So it is hard to know exactly what he's thinking. Quite frankly, you know, as of, I would say, last time I talked to someone Sunday, early Sunday afternoon, I don't know if Mario even knows, he knew like what direction he was going yet, both at OC or DC. So, uh, you know, you could call it thorough. You could call it indecisive, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Uh, I don't, I'm not criticizing it. I just think he, he's a guy that takes his time. Right. Um, so let's move on to some team news that dropped last week too, Gabby real quickly here. Nesta Jade Silvera hopped in the portal. Um, you know, look, no hard feelings for anyone who hops in the portal. Um, this is what the portal's for in my opinion, Gabby, right? He did not sign up to play for Mario Cristobal. He did not sign up to play for whoever the DC is going to be. He did not sign up to play for Joe Salavea. Uh, I think there's a sense that he feels like the scheme might not be the best fit for him, which honestly I think is probably true. So if that's the case, go hop in the portal, land in a spot where you feel like uh, you can ball out the most and, uh, Hopefully he, he takes advantage of that next opportunity, but let's, let's take this conversation here. How will you remember Nesta Silvera, um, his career here? How will I remember Nesta Silvera? Probably. I mean, I feel like this Florida state performances were always fun. You know, those few that he had, um, you know, I feel like he kind of showed up in big games. I thought he did a good job sort of being like, you know, maybe a leader type for the defensive line, sort of like maybe just like the confident face of, you know, the defensive line as a, as one of those guys. So, you know, I'm grateful for Nesta and his career, um, you know, just hit the, him committing to Miami and sort of like pointing right. like the, the make the crib great sort of right. term and all that stuff is something that I think that, you know, Miami, Miami has been able to capitalize on from a, from a marketing standpoint. So, um, you know, I think that he's done a lot for the university and stuff. Really, you know, happy for him. Definitely hope he lands on his feet somewhere. Yeah. Wish him all the best. Um, let's transition to the All-American Bowl, right? Uh, Miami had two, two guys that they were targeting commit during the game. Let's start with the good news, right? Uh, the first guy who announced defensive end Cyrus Moss out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. Um, 
I think it's a shame, you know, look, there, there was quite a few guys with COVID, uh, you know, they tested them when they arrived and I don't know, about 25 or so guys popped positive is our understanding. Cyrus Moss was one of them. So unfortunately he, he had to quarantine in his hotel all week. Um, seems to be fine. I think he said he was fine on the telecast. So that's all good. Um, but he ended up committing to Miami, right? Um, I think this is a huge get, right? I think it got overshadowed by the second announcement in some ways, uh, due to the shock value. But to me, Cyrus Moss is a guy that, I mean, he's definitely like a top three round NFL draft guy, I think. And I think if he keeps progressing and all that stuff, he's going to be a first round pick. The more you watch his highlights, the guy is a freak. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Miami signed um, a fringe five-star. I mean, he's in like the five-star range. I think he's the number 31 overall player. I mean, at the end of the cycle, 24 seven sports has 32 five-stars. So, I mean, right. this is a guy that, you know, Miami could have just ended a five-star. And, yeah, David, I do feel like it got overshadowed. And, yep, shock value, I guess, you know, struck again. But, man, like, this was the guy, you know. Again, you we've talked about – we'll, we'll get into the Kevin Coleman stuff. But, I mean, this is just absolutely massive for Miami. We just consider a need, uh, the pass rushers. We saw last year that, you know, there was definitely a regression in terms of what Miami's used to. I think with – you pair Nigel e. Kelly up with Cyrus Moss, you know, the potential to maybe even go get a Shamar Stewart, you know, in less than a month, you know, just kind of go all in on that and try to pair those three together. I mean, but just these two standing alone, Nigel E. Kelly, Cyrus Moss, you know, on either edge with Leonard Taylor in the middle. I mean, you are building, you're setting the foundation for a big, big time defensive line. And we talk about the trenches and the type of types of players that you need to get. Cyrus Moss is that type of player that Miami needed to get. And I think that that was a huge, just massive, massive recruiting win for Mario Cristobal. How quick the turnaround was, how he kind of just thought he or assumed he was going to go to USC. Mario Cristobal was able to cut that visit short to get him on campus, you know, really just spend. Crazy. Yeah, it's just like. like 24 great, hours. That's really it. like 24 hours and, you know, a long Sunday. Just took advantage of that whole Sunday and really, and, and he signed, like, like he signed yeah. before the. He's a done like, deal. Yeah, he's a done deal. He signed during the early signing period. They have his paperwork, all that stuff. It was announced right after he committed. So for Mario Cristobal to turn that into a signature as quickly as he did, it's just a huge, huge win for, for them at a really, really big position. You think, you think about just you look at the NFL, you look at contracts, the value positions, quarterbacks, left tackles, pass rushers. Yep. I mean, those are the types of guys that you need to get. Those are the high, high impact guys. Those are the make or break type of, of positions. Cyrus Moss, I think, you know, is one of the best in the country at getting to the quarterback and, you know, causing chaos in the backfield. So that's a huge win for them. Who does he remind you of? I mean, I, I feel like it's easy at this point, but I it really, I mean, I just feel like just you consider the background. I mean, I feel like you get sort of flashes of Greg Russo, just a guy that played defensive back, sort of made that tr- transition to defensive end. I just think he's more polished at this age. You know, early right. in his high school career, he was a safety grew again, grew into a defensive end. He's athletic. He can move around. And just the way he sort of chases people down, gets into the backfield again. I mean, I'm not saying he is going to be Greg Russo. I mean, a first round pick to just say someone is going to be a first round pick is 
always like a bold statement, but I think he's a more, a more polished defensive end prospect of a similar size, you know, similar frame that Greg Russo was coming in. And I think he's just a little bit more developed. So, I mean, I think that that is potentially like his ceiling is Greg Russo-esque. I think he's a little more athletic than Greg. Yeah. Um, I think he's been clocked at a four, six on the laser Cyrus. So yeah, he's, he's big time, man. It's a big, big time win for Miami. And he he's, I'd say he's a little thinner framed than Greg. Uh, like Greg at times at the college level could get away with kicking inside. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like, like he's got big quick though. Right. I think Greg has bigger hips. I think he's got broader shoulders. So I think he's got a little bit of a bigger frame to me. Cyrus reminds me like of, of Jason Taylor kind of, uh, you know, former Miami Dolphins. So, you know, that kind of stand up edge rusher. I mean, Jason could get it done with his hand in the dirt too. Uh, but yeah, length quickness. He, he does have a little bit of a, a power rush too, like Jason did. So, uh, we'll see. I think, like I think said, either, I think either one would be fine. I'd be okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Six six guy that can move, yeah, yeah, and it, it sounds like too like you know some fans. I think he had what like six and a half sacks or something at Gorman, and fans were asking why. I think the answer to that is is Bishop Gorman, you know, kind of destroys everyone they play, and so the starters are kind of pulled from games. What midway through the second quarter, so. He, he did put up big tackle numbers and tackles for lost numbers. Um, but Cyrus Moss isn't out here playing like four quarters for most yeah. of his high school games. So uh, he is a big time player. Let's talk about the interesting announcement to close out the All-American Bowl. And this was the final announcement of the game, uh, which I don't know. I You and I like... This game is uh, kind of partnered with 24-7 sports, right? Yeah. Um, and so I don't, like, this wasn't set up, I don't think, in any way as like, okay, we're going to have this shocking Jackson State announcement to close out this game. The expectation for this whole game, or from everyone involved in the game, was that Kevin Coleman was going to sign with Miami, right? Miami thought that was people on Miami staff thought that was the case, uh, you know, because 24 seven sports is partnered with the game. They had quotes from Kevin uh, ready to go pre-written where he said, yes, I'm picking Miami. This is why blah, 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 go Canes, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but then we get to the announcement and we see that hat with what the J on it. Yeah, that J. That J. That J. When you see that J, when you see that J come out. It's you. You know something's about to go down. It's more ominous now than an Alabama hat. Oh, for sure. When you see that, it's like J, it's like it's like notorious at this point, where it's just like, oh no, what's about yeah. to happen? When you see that J, that's like the hat worried. you don't want to see on the table anymore. You don't want to see that J <laughs> hat on the table. You don't want to see that Navy Jackson State hat on the table. So we all know by now, right, that Miami got Jackson stated. Um, got Dion. Got Dion. And, uh, you know, what's your reaction, Gabby? I mean, I was stunned, man. Like, oh, when I tell you that, I was just like, 
There's my fingers on the trigger, like ready oh, to yeah. publish all our articles. Cause we oh, had yeah. what, like four articles ready to go. Easily. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. We literally had a whole like queue <laughs> of things that were just ready to go of just so much content was about to be like great content, like solid content <laughs> was just ready to be, you know, released onto, into the world. And I was just like, I had my, my draft written on my tweet with the Kevin Coleman Miami edit. I was just waiting for the link to just throw in there to hit send on the breaking news, Kevin Coleman to Miami. And I was just like, I, I, I guess my TV was a little behind because I got a notification on my phone of Steve Wiltfong's tweet saying that he committed to Jackson's. And I was just like, there's no way. And then like 10 seconds later, I see him like hesitate to pick the school. Yeah. And I see the Jackson State hat. I'm just like, oh no. Oh no. Yeah. And it was just, yeah. This is why, you know, recruiting is entertaining, right? Because honestly, like we were 99.9% certain he was going to Miami. Right. Uh, But this is why, I mean, it is, it really is unpredictable until it's over um, in some cases. Um, I'm just glad this wasn't like a six month thing where like Miami thought he was, he was coming for like six months. It was like a very quick turnaround of just like getting him on campus. All right, you're not coming. So that little week stretch was fun. And it's different than the Travis Hunter thing, right? Travis Hunter is a generational guy, number one player in the country, um, committed to Florida state for two years. And then he flips uh, on signing day. Like it's different. Like it hurts different right um and look i i hope this all plays out well for coleman in the long run um you know and again i do think it's different even going to jackson state when when looking at hunter and coleman right i think like travis hunter is a special 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 talent he could go naia and still be a first round pick in three years he's that good like he is He's a ridiculous talent. Uh, Coleman, to me, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's a guy that would still benefit from developing in a big-time program, wherever that is, right? Um, but he's going to go to Jackson State. He, he secured the bag, so credit to him for that, right? I can't hate on him for that. He's going to play right away at Jackson State, oh, so yeah. hopefully that's good for his development as well. Um and, you know, I, I do think it's cool in a way that, that you know, HBCUs are, are getting on the map here and Deion Sanders is, is doing a lot for, um, you know, HBCUs. So I just, I, you know, in the long run, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for Kevin Coleman in the long run. Um, I think Travis Hunter is going to be fine, yeah. right? Like he can go wherever he wants next year at this time if he feels like, uh, you know, he wants to, to jump up to D one football. Uh, and, and if he's a good guy or if they're that tight, maybe he can arrange it where Kevin Coleman follows him. Right. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they just follow Dion, right. Maybe a year yeah, from it's now. Possible too. That's what Dion's I feel like is the most likely scenario. Right. Um, Whether just, it's Florida state or, you know, a bunch of other, whatever job. Yeah. So It'll be interesting. Uh, best of luck to Kevin Coleman. Um, here, here's, here's where my mind went, though, and we'll, we'll take a break after this, Gabby. After that happened, 
I wonder if we will see that J on the table when, uh, when Shamar Stewart is making his decision on February 2nd. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would not be surprised. That's like no intel or anything, but at this right. point, it's just like, I would not be shocked about that at all. I feel like that's just like the quiet, that, I feel like that's just something that you, like throughout the whole 2023 cycle is that like, you're going to have to be asking guys, hey, is Jackson State involved? Or is like someone like this involved because these stunners at the end just can't keep happening. Like you have to like sort of like, you know, cover all your bases at this point. And I'll say to that point, you know, Miami has three weeks to be prepared for that, right? Like, right. there's no reason to be surprised about, you know, having to have some sort of NIL plan in place for Shamar Stewart, even though technically, blah, 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 NCAA, recruiting inducements, NIL isn't allowed, but come on, we all know the deal. Um, you got to have some sort of plan. So, um, again, we'll see how, when Shamar Stewart, when it comes time to pick, if that J is on the table. And now, honestly, if I was a, a guy announcing, like a big-time guy, I would start putting that J on the table just to troll people. <laughs> right? I feel like that's going to start coming, too. <laughs> and like it people would work. Just people are just going to start freaking out because they're going to see the, the random, going to see the Jackson State hat on the table. So let's take a break here. We'll get into uh, – you know, setting up the month of January, it's going to be a big recruiting month, right? Between official visits for the 2022s that remain, uh, transfers coming in and visiting. And then of course, 2023 is kind of getting that cycle kicked off, uh, as well. So, uh, we'll discuss that after the break. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back. Um, lots of lots of stuff to get into. I'm sure we will miss some of it, uh, but I want to start with some new offers, right? So some new offers popped for 2022 um, within the last week since we recorded it. And one of the big ones I think to talk about, or not, I wouldn't say big, like he's a big time recruit at this point, but he's a guy, it seems like Mario Cristobal is really enamored by, and that's uh, Jacksonville Bulls. Is it fair to say defensive end? Because he plays a little bit of linebacker too, Gabby, uh, yeah. Jack Piper. Maybe he can be more of like an edge, potentially be like an edge guy. Just okay. another. What do we need to know about that situation? 
Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think Miami's in a – I mean, Miami obviously pulled the trigger on the offer. Um, that was a big one for him. He was committed to Minnesota, uh, sort of stepped back from that a couple of days after picking up the UM offer. I think Virginia's pulled the trigger since. And, you know, just speaking to him, you can tell that he's highly interested in Miami. Uh, he's setting up a visit. Um, I checked back with, in with him this weekend to see if he had set anything up. And he, I mean, he told me he hasn't yet, but I do expect him to get on campus at some point, um, you know, once the contact period opens up on January uh, 14th. So, you know, I think Miami could be in a really good spot there if they push for him. Uh, you know, obviously you still got Shamar Stewart. You still got a couple guys in there that you like, but man, I'm, I'm high on Jack Pyburn. I mean, he's a top ranked heavyweight wrestler in, in the state of Florida. He finished third in the state wrestling tournament last year. He lost to the state champ by just one point. Uh, you know, 32 tackles for loss, 16 sacks, I believe. Uh, I just think he's a highly productive dude that played at a big-time program up, program up in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely extremely intrigued by him. I mean, he says he's up to 265 pounds now. That's what he's wrestling at. So it could be like a 6'3", potentially 6'4", 265. A guy with, that's just aggressive. And I like the wrestling stuff. I mean, you know, they know how to use their hands. They understand leverage. And stuff like that. So, I mean, that's the type of guy that, that I would be okay with bringing in, bringing him to part, be a part of the system, the program, and just developing him. Because I think, uh, you know, he could be a guy that down the, down the road ends up being a good one. So, um, you know, I think Miami's in a good spot there. He told me he's generating some interest from others as well. He didn't really want to get too, too specifics about who because they hadn't offered yet. But we saw that Virginia offered. Florida. Uh, Florida did Florida officially offer? No, but are they a school that might? Yeah, I, I'm assuming that they're a school that's probably looking at him. Just I in think too. Jacksonville area. I think my impression on him is that coaches want to see him in person and really get eyes on him to see the body type, to see how tall he really is, to see what the length looks like. Uh, I'm not saying that's the case with Miami. Maybe it is, but I think. I think people just want to look at him in person. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that probably does. And it's so it'll definitely be interesting to see who whose campus he sort of ends up on and, and stuff like that. So um, definitely an intriguing guy. You know, I definitely uh, definitely want I, I would like to see him in person, but right. I, I do like the wrestling background and all that type of stuff like that sort of that that, that, saw, that, that matters to me. I saw a tweet over the weekend, right? He I guess he was in a wrestling tournament this weekend. He went, this is a tweet from him. He said he went nine and zero over the weekend, won the tournament, uh, was MVP of the tournament. Longest match for him while going nine and zero was 40 seconds. That's a nice, easy weekend, huh? He probably didn't even <laughs> That's tired. easy work. That's easy work. <laughs> so impressive, uh, impressive athlete. If the, if the measurements line up, uh, I'm all here for it, right? If yeah. if he really is like six three, six three and a half, uh, I say go, go get him. Uh, any other new offers? Twenty twenty twos. That's the only one I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I think that's the only twenty twenty two offer that we've okay. seen. I think maybe, I mean, transfer offers maybe. Okay. I don't know if you want to get into that. Yeah, let's do that. Who are the names they, to know there? I know they offered the. I don't think we talked about it last week. The James Madison wide receiver is that is that right. decent enough? The, yeah. um, and Twain Wells, right. uh, I think, I mean, again, just sort of a, a speedy type receiver. Again, the guy that I think he broke records at James Madison, which is a program that re recently won a national championship, I believe at the, sure. at, at the, as the FCS level, I believe yep. that it is. And so, I mean, again, a good program and a highly productive dude. 
Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to have plenty of college interests. So I'm, I'm intrigued by, by him. And especially now with Kevin Coleman off the board, I think he's someone that can come in and, and contribute. I mean, I'm, that's definitely an offer that, that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. He's a guy just look, digging into his skill set, takes a top off a of defense. Right. Yeah. So I'm not saying he's going to be Charleston Rambo, but it's that type of guy. Yeah. Right. And, and you pair that type of guy with a Tyler Van Dyke, right. who one of the best deep ball throwers in the country last year. Um, if I'm in, and is it Antoine? I mean, it's spelled Antoine. Maybe Antoine. It could yeah. be. Something. If I'm, if I'm Wells, I would give Miami a, a serious look because that Rambo Van Dyke connection helped both of those guys. And, and now Rambo's going to be, you know, I don't know, third round pick, fourth round pick, uh, depending on how his NFL draft prep, uh, shakes out. Uh, who else? Cause they also offered what I don't think since the last time we talked, did, did we talk about the Virginia offensive tackle? I don't think we did. I'm okay. not sure if we did, but Go into that. Uh, Ryan Soboda, he's a, you know, six ten, like three twenty five offensive lineman. I was, I texted him yesterday just to make sure that everything was still a go for his visit this coming week. He told me that it's off. Um, I've heard Penn state is in a good spot. I think that uh. Virginia tech is in a good spot. So um, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to end up this week, but it's not going to be Miami. So I think okay. you can cross that one off the board. Okay. There is a corner though, planning to visit at some point this yeah. week, right? Yeah. Oh, a corner and a defensive lineman that are going to start their visit tomorrow, which is January 11th. Um, just, I guess, to clarify that whole situation, because the contact period doesn't open until January 14th, there is a rule that's, that you can host potential mid-year enrollees, guys that plan on enrolling in the spring, you can host them for visits seven days before you start your spring semester. So okay. Miami starts their spring semester on January 18th, which means the window for that opens on January 11th, which basically gives them like a three or four day head start on the, on the contact period. Again, for guys only that plan on enrolling early. That is that high school or is it just transfers? I think it, I think it ends up being mostly transfers right? because the high school guys typically, I feel like at this point have either signed. officially visited or signed yeah. um, if they're going to be early enrollees. So I feel like it ends up being a transfer sort of window and Miami is going to get two of them on campus on the 11th. Uh, first, what you mentioned the cornerback DJ James, he was a starter at Oregon last year, opposite of Michael Wright. Um, I mean, of course, Mario Cristobal, all these guys all came from Oregon. So someone they're very familiar with, I believe he's from Alabama. I think that has something yes. thinking that Auburn is in a good spot too, but you know, you get them on campus and you never really know what happens. That's obviously worked out pretty well for Miami since Mario Cristobal got here. I think that, you know, there's always the potential that the tone changes once they sort of see the school. So I think DJ James is a big, big uh, transfer visit. The other guy that's going to be visiting alongside him, UAB defensive lineman Antonio Moultrie. Pretty, I mean, guy with some South Florida ties. His younger brother plays at FAU. Uh, mom is from Cocoa Beach. So, you know, they're, I know the family's very excited about the visit. Um, I think that there's a couple other schools like Florida State, Florida, South Carolina, Virginia Tech that are also involved. I do think if things go well on this official visit during the week, they could potentially shut it down. Um, again, you have a very small window of time to actually enroll in a school right now. So I right. think that they're sort of hoping that, you know, Miami's the spot. Uh, he's, he's a six foot four, 265 pounder. 
Um, a guy that's been an all-conference type player a couple of times at UAB, a program that's done good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, Miami's been pretty familiar with them, uh, having played them twice over the last, you know, I guess twice over the last three years, uh, to the last three years. So, um, you know, definitely an intriguing name there uh, in, the, in terms of transfers. Yeah, Moultrie fits that kind of uh, profile that they like, that Mario likes with versatility. Uh, early in his career, he was a, a D tackle, like a 6'4", 290 D tackle. He was very disruptive for UAB in that role. This year, he, he lost 25 pounds, started playing more on the edge. So he is a strong, basically what I take from that, he's a strong guy on the edge, can help set the run. Uh, I think he's got pretty good twitch, um, but really it's, it's mainly about like playing sound football against the run. Uh, and he's got good length, 6'4". So, um, I think the take would make sense. Anyone else transfer wise, as far as we know, I mean, we'll, we'll do a, another podcast like Thursday ish, uh, yeah. you know, well, going, I mean, in, we, going more, into the high school weekend, for sure. any other transfers? Um, I, I, I know that we've talked about Frank Ladson a few times on this podcast, right. and I know it's been like sort of a few weeks that that's been lingering. Um, I talked to someone else, another source that would know about Frank Ladson that knows him personally. They also feel like he's going to end up coming to Miami. Uh, I know that he's still at, in, at Clemson right now. Apparently there's some deal with like his apartments or something like that, that he needs to find someone to like cover his lease. There, there's just like some sort of like, you know, actual like logistical thing going on there that I think he's yeah. sort of prioritizing. And I think once he figures that out and he's sort of like is cleared away with all that, um, I think the belief from people that know him, uh, you know, watched him play in high school, coached him in high school that, you know, that he's going to end up at Miami. So I think it's just sort of him figuring out what he has to figure out beforehand before sort of taking this next step in his you know, personal life, career, all that type of stuff. So they said it could happen as soon as this week. He just wants to clear all that stuff up before he sort of dives into the whole Miami thing. Okay. And no other transfers to touch on as far as we know right now. Not that I can think of off the top of my head, though. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll dig deeper into the high school guys going to visit this weekend uh, on a later podcast. But let's just, the guys we know of right now, and again, this stuff is very fluid. It can change either way with additions, subtractions. But we expect uh, four-star corner Jaleel Florence out of San Diego, former Oregon commit. Uh, four-star defensive lineman Grayson Halton, uh, a current Oregon commit. He's out of San Diego as well. Uh, Dave Ayuli, who is from uh, Washington State, and he's a four-star player as well. And uh, Matthew McCoy, a offensive tackle out of St. Augustine who visited uh, under the Manny Diaz era. But because of a coaching change, he can take another visit to Miami if he wants. So uh, he's a 6'6", 285, three-star tackle, kind of a developmental guy. I'll let you pick one of those guys, Gabby, to talk about. Who excites you to talk about of this group? I mean, I'm, I'm probably just going to go – I'm going to sort of shoot for the stars here. I'm going to go with Jaleel Florence. Okay. Um, again, I'm just, just sort of watching how Mario Crispos operated, how he's sort of been able to get these guys on campus – and, you know, you know, really just sell the vision of Miami, um, I think has been really impressive. A lot of these guys had no connection to Miami previously. I think Jalil Florence 
is a guy that has at least something. He is he he says that he's really good friends with Keyshawn Smith, a guy that I played at Lincoln too, his same high school that's at Miami. Um, you know, I think that he, he it's someone that he could actually be on campus with at the same time that he has a connection with. Again, I mean, he wouldn't be coming here alone or anything like that. So I'm interested to see how much this Miami visit sort of shakes things up for him. I think it's a visit he wanted to take because he did take that official visit to USC right before the early signing period. I think they were hoping to sort of lock him up then and they didn't. So I, I think that this visit is going to be really, really big. I also know he's cool with like, he's really close with Grayson Halton and Dave Uli. Apparently that Oregon class was really tight knit and, you know, Halton okay. and Florence are both San Diego kids. So um, I think there's a chance that all three of those guys come down and have a good time. Cool. And uh, yeah, Jaleel Florence, six to 180 pound corner. So track, track kid too, that I know he has a really big time um, yeah. time in the hundred. Has that length and speed, right? So yeah. Um, would be a good, would be a good addition. He, uh, clocked a 10, seven, seven in the hundred meters last yeah. we knew. So, uh, like you said, big time speed, uh, for his length. So any other, anything else, 2022, you want to jump into here, talk about, or should we move on to 23s? No, we can move to 23s. Okay. Uh, 23s. So let's start here. You, you know, seven on seven season is upon us. Uh, so you went out and saw some of the best seven on seven programs in South Florida here this past weekend. Um, talk us through it. Let's start with South Florida Express. Um, what do we For need sure. to know there? They're like the longstanding seven on seven program. What'd you see? Yeah. I mean, just a, a really a lot of talent. I mean, between the, I mean, just in the 2023 class alone, I think you have to start with the five-star Cromani McLean. He's the top ranked cornerback in the country. Um, he's going to be playing with, with uh, South Florida express, which is big. Cause that means he's going to spend a decent amount of time, you know, in South Florida playing with them, um, you know, just throughout the next few months, uh, you know, just talking to him, it seems like he's really big on Miami uh, you know, he seems to be really excited about what the future of this program has. He told me that he feels like Miami has the potential to be bigger, better than it's ever been since, uh, you know, really, I mean, I guess in his time at least, or just that it's been, right. you know, in a while, he said Miami could potentially be one of his top two schools right now. I, I think that, uh, you know, that it's huge that he was able to get down there and, you know, just, I think Miami's done a really, really good job recruiting him. Um, you know, he said a lot of really good, good things about DeMarcus Van Dyke. So, you know, just continuing to sort of, you know, inch their way closer, uh, you know, in that recruitment, that's a big one. It's probably going to go the distance, uh, you know, with Alabama, Michigan, Ohio state, Florida, you know, BYU is a school that he likes. There's going to be plenty of other suitors, you know, just throughout the process. So, um, but it's big that Cormani McLean was there and that he's been around and stuff like that. So um, I would definitely start off with him. Um, where can we pivot to here? There's just, there's a bunch of guys. Um Let's go on Nathaniel Joseph. He's a wider top two, four, seven wide receiver Clemson commit. Uh, didn't get a lot of attention from the previous Miami staff for whatever reason that that is. He ended up again, picking the tigers and uh, he seems pretty firm on that, but he did say that he had a good conversation with Brian McClendon. He said that he heard stuff from him that he hasn't heard from Miami to this point. So again, I think that that's big in, in that recruitment. He's a speedy slot guy, a guy that creates a ton of separation um, really puts up, he's put up just huge numbers, you know, between his sophomore and his junior year at Miami Edison. So really excited about him. If, if I'm taking, I looked at his tape, right. If I'm taking a slot this year, he's my guy. 
yeah, I think he, he's he might be time. my he might be my guy too. Um, a really high GPA kid, um, like that's something that you know people might not really see, you know, from a star rating or anything like that. But from what I understand, it matters. Yeah, it, he's, he's, a, sharp. he's very good in the classroom. Uh, yeah. Really, really well-spoken kid, and really just electric. Honestly, just the way he moves around, he's like he glides out there, and you know, just really just loses defenders quickly. So definitely excited about him. Um, another top two, four, seven wide receiver that was out there on Sunday. He didn't compete. He's in basketball season. That's Hakeem Williams. Uh, a lot of Miami fans are asking about him and, you know, just, you know, looking at him as a guy that they potentially want in this class. I mean, legit six, three, potentially pushing six, four wide receiver. Yeah. He knows Brian McClendon back from when he was at Oregon. McClendon has been recruiting Hakeem for a long time. So, you know, when I was just asking him about his conversation with him, he was just saying that, like, you know, it was just about him being back in Miami now and how he knows where he wants where that McClendon knows where he wants Hakeem Williams to be. Um, just kind of selling him on, you know, just staying home, being a part of this, that he wants to coach him and all those types of things. And, you know, just continuing to further that relationship that that they already have. Um, so that that was a that was another really big one. Um, another top two, four, seven talent that's going to be on that um, that software express team didn't again didn't work out or anything that it's i think he's like nursing a hamstring or but he expects to play seven on seven this year is damon fagan he's a safety out of american heritage he's gotten really big too he might be a little bit bigger than hakeem williams i think we have him listed at six two or six three i think he's easily six four these days i mean he's just gotten really really tall yeah he's tall and he's long um really excited about him he had a lot of really really good things to say about again you know demarcus van dyke is sort of you know, spearheading his recruitment. He's saying that he talks to, to DeMarcus Van Dyke every day, saying he's talked to, you know, T-Rob every week. He's had conversations with Coach Cristobal. He's really excited. He's going to be at that elite prospect day on January 22nd. Um, so that, I mean, that's that's definitely a big one too. He said Ohio State's another school that's sort of coming after him. Uh, his teammate is cornerback Damari Brown, Miami legacy. His dad was Selwyn Brown, another guy that DeMarcus Van Dyke really, really likes. He's gotten like he he's kind of got like a filled out frame, you know. He definitely doesn't look like a high school junior, uh, you know. I think he's further developed than maybe some people might think. I'm definitely excited about him. Again, all those guys are going to be at that elite prospect day, and um, you know, just something else to add about that South Florida Express tryout on Sunday. Demarcus Van Dyke was actually there in attendance because his youngest son, Demarcus Jr., was trying out for South Florida Express's youth team. So, you know, DeMarcus Van Dyke was able to be around and, you know, couldn't have conversations with these guys or interact with them very much because of the, you know, NCA rules in place, but he was definitely able to get eyes on them. They got eyes on him. They saw that he was there. And so, you know, that's a, that's just always a nice little, whenever you have the opportunity to do something like that, that's always big. We've seen Jimbo Fisher do it in the past. Manny Diaz did it last year at the Under Armour camp, the Under Armour right. Miami camp that had a bunch of these top 2022. So, um, you know, that was definitely cool. All right, take a quick breath and talk about the Miami Immortals. Go. <laughs> I mean, you got to start with Jalen Brown, the five-star wide receiver. Um, you know, I think Miami's in a pretty good spot there, man. Uh, you know, I think that they've done a really good job up to this point. He's still, he's, from what I understand, it's just all about relationships. So he's going to need to build some, you know, a, a, a bond with Brian McClendon. I think that that's going to happen pretty quickly. He made it seem like he's going to be a top priority for them. So. I think that Jalen Brown is, you know, obviously a name to know. A couple other schools getting involved there. He's at Texas A&M and Ohio State have started to reach out. He has a couple teammates, you know, in Yo Keith Brown and Donald Harris that play for the Aggies. So I think that that can be an intriguing program for him. Um, Ohio State, you know, 
is one of the best at producing wide receivers. We've seen the three that they have this year between uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Um, you know, really just a trio that not a lot of schools around the country have. They've done it for a long time. So Ohio State's always an intriguing option there. Um, Robbie Washington is another big Miami guy. Um, you know, a guy that just people know locally, uh, really explosive, man. He was just really, really electric. He had a rep there where he basically just broke this kid's ankles off the line of scrimmage. Uh, people went crazy. Cameron Kitchens was there. Khalil Brantley was there. Tyreek Stevenson was there. A few other college players were there and they were just going absolutely nuts watching this kid run routes. So, um, you know, Robbie Washington is, you know, a big time name at once at one time considered himself a Miami commitment. Um, when I was talking about Kevin Smith earlier in the show that old, that he's doing that he's sort of spearheading a recruitment for Ole Miss. That is for Robbie Washington. He talked about Kevin Smith and Ole Miss and how they're a factor in his recruitment. I think if Miami were to go get Kevin Smith, that would be big in that recruitment. Again, we're talking about slot guys. Nathaniel Joseph is one of them. Robbie Washington is another one. Might be a preference thing for people, you know, depending on who you sort of like more. But, you know, both really big-time talents that could help. Um, who do Andy you like Jean, more? Be honest. I, I'd probably go Joseph just because I think he's a little bit more polished. Again, I think Robbie Washington's also a little older for his age. I believe he's turning 18 this month. And he's a junior. So at, so at one point, he's going to be a 19-year-old high school senior. So I think that Nathaniel Joseph is just more like on par with the typical development of a high school junior. And I still like what I see from him a lot. I do like the high GPA stuff and, uh, you know, just sort of the way he sort of operates. And again, that's not a knock on Robbie. I just I think yeah. that Nathaniel Joseph They're is just good. one of those du dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Both really, really good players. And so definitely a lot to be excited about there. Um, another wide receiver. I mean, we're how many times have we talked about this wide receiver class? We're just going to keep talking about it. It's going to be one of the biggest things in 2023 is the wide receiver group. Andy Jean was another one there. I reported, you know, over the weekend that I think it was Friday that, you know, he's going to be someone that Brian McClendon really targets. Um, I, I believe that to be the case. You know, he had a really good conversation with him, basically told him that, you know, he wasn't on the board previously or wasn't high on the board previously, but he's going to be one of his guys in 2023. Um, I, I like Andy Jean. I think he's like a legit six one. Uh, you know, he moves around well. He's a very good route runner. Again, just a really nice, a nice, respectful kid. I think he has a good head on his shoulders, plays at a big time program like Miami Northwestern. I know he sort of looked up to the Romello Brinson types, the guys that sort of came before him that went to Miami. So um, I'm definitely big on Andy Jean too. Um, let's go to the defensive side. We got Stan Quan Clark, another kid who's who's growing. I mean, he was like six two. Six, one and a half, maybe the last time, you know, I really got good, like a good look at him and, you know, just watching him in seven on seven. He's, I think he's pushing past six, two, probably closer to six, three now, like the way he moves around. Um, you know, another guy that got that invite to the elite prospect day. I think he's going to be, you know, he's definitely going to be there. Uh, Florida state, Auburn, uh, West Virginia, also in the mix there. So, you know, plenty of guys generating Miami attention. I think other guys that maybe even down the road can get a look for Miami, but I think those are probably the, the yeah. biggest names to know. Yeah. And Gabby did write-ups on all this stuff. So goes even more in depth in those articles. If yeah. you're not subscribing, what are you waiting for? Uh, mm -hmm. Recruiting's about to pop off and uh, check out the content on inside the U.com. Uh, let's the immortals too. They had an interesting uh, announcement Oh, with yeah. the John Ruiz family, right? Uh, the John Ruiz family slash cigarette boat racing 
which I believe is Alex Ruiz's company, right, yeah. Gabby, the son of John Ruiz. Uh, they're going to sponsor the Miami Immortals. There's also some potential deal with Netflix, right? What, what do we need to know about that situation? Yeah, they're going to, aside from sponsoring the team and helping them travel, probably try to get them a deal with some apparel brands. Um, I think that they, they will, I don't know, I think uh, they had a camera crew out there for tryouts. And I believe that the, the, the plan is for them to do a whole film series, like a documentary type thing that they're going to eventually sell to Netflix. Uh, they've tossed around the idea of selling, of, you know, pitching it to Barstool uh, to just basically follow the team around, you know, throughout the seven on seven circuit. If you haven't been to one of those seven on seven events or the practices, I mean, they're extremely animated. Everyone's, you know, messing around. They're really, really fun to watch. It would be just fantastic entertainment. Um, and just like, especially when it gets into the tournaments, you're playing against guys you don't know and stuff. So, um, you know, I think that they're going to try to do this whole film series and then follow them through the seven on seven season. And, you know, for the top players like the Jalen Browns, uh, the Andy Jeans, uh, the Stan Quan Clarks, uh, you know, guys that are going to be making big time college decisions, follow them into their senior years as they sort of walk, go through the fall and, you know, through national, uh, the early signing day or national signing day, uh, you know, when they sort of sign with their schools. So I think that that's basically the plan for, cool. for them. Cool. And uh, as we, I don't know if you saw this on the timeline as we have been recording uh, and you knew this was coming, but uh, John Ruiz tweeted out that they just sued the NCAA and the FHSAA. And yeah. I think that has to do with like NIL stuff, right? Uh, high school players ability to uh, capitalize on name, image and likeness. And I would assume it's, it's similar with the NCAA, right? Um, do you know anything about that? Yeah, I kind of had an idea that this was coming. Um, they basically, I believe the Ruiz family essentially believes that it's unconstitutional or there's just some, there's some language into like the reasons of not having, not allowing high school kids to capitalize off their NIL or off their name, image, and likeness that they believe to be un in, uh, unconstitutional. I think that they believe, they really believe that they're going to win this and that, you know, they're going to be able to start, you know, having NIL deals with high school kids and, um, you know, all that type of stuff. So I, I kind of had a feeling that, well, they made it pretty clear that this was sort of coming, you know, in a conversation that I had with them. And, um, you know, they, yeah. it, they seem like people that aren't necessarily messing around with that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, here it is. So we'll see how this yeah. sort of, how, how this sort of goes. I'm here for the disruption. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow. Uh, before we get out of here, Gabby, let's make, there's a big game tonight, right? Oh yeah. Alabama, Georgia. Who do you got? I'm curious. What's your pick? Oh man, bro. I'm just, I, I think I just learned at some point that you just don't bet against Nick Saban. So I'm just, I'm even in a rematch. I just, I don't know, man. I just have a hard time picking against him. And like, I don't know. I just have, I, I just, I just, I just don't feel like I can pick against Alabama in this game. I, I, I feel like Georgia honestly might be the better team. It's weird, yeah. but I, I think that I just think that there's something and I know against his assistants and Jimbo was the first one, but I mean, everything else was just, it just always falls Nick Saban's way. So I don't know, man, if Georgia plays against how they played against Michigan, I find it, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I'm, I'm just going to go with Alabama. I'm kind of with you too. I think it's, I'm picking Alabama. 
And yeah, I do think Georgia is the better team. Uh, but as you alluded to, I do think Nick Saban coaches circles around Kirby Smart. Yeah. And I think you could argue too, right? I mean, again, Georgia is a better team, but Alabama has the two best players, right? Yeah. Bryce Young and uh, Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Um, yeah. Both guys can take over the games on their sides of the ball. So, you know, Georgia in that first game, they got a ton of pressure on Bryce Young. He's just so good at yeah. handling that pressure, making mm-hmm. plays. He reminds me of Deshaun Watson a lot with the way he can escape pressure, make plays, extend plays, throw the ball downfield, et cetera, et cetera. And then Will Anderson, this is a six stat. So uh, quarterback pressures, guess high. Guess how many quarterback pressures Will Anderson alone has this season? 52. 79. So, he has as many. Is that the most of all time? <laughs> or like, is I that mean, it's, it, yeah, as far as like pro football focus tracking, yeah. And uh, like to put that in context, right? Like, Georgia's defensive line is sick, is ridiculous, right? Um, their top three guys, I forget exactly which ones they are because they rotate so many, uh, but their top three pass rush guys have combined for 81 pressures. So, he is a ridiculous talent, one-man wrecking crew. Um, I do think, too, one thing and to he's watch. From, he's from, like, Atlanta, like the Atlanta area, isn't he? Like, he's from, like, Bulldog territory. And he said leading up to it, I guess Georgia didn't offer him. I don't know yeah, the backstory. I, I, don't, I don't think they were on him, like, super hard like that. And he sounds pretty pissed about that. Yeah, so, I would be pretty uh, pissed about that, too. <laughs> I do think one thing that, to watch here in this game, too, is is – Alabama's offensive line sounds a little banged up. So if they're banged up, can Georgia take advantage of that in this game? Yeah. So but I'm, I'm, locked I'm, in. I'm riding with Bama. Yeah. Uh, I also, I'm also here for the constant troll of Georgia never winning a national championship. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. 1980 or whatever it is. Yeah. So. I've, heard their, I've heard their fans are like atrocious too. So like, so I'm just like, not. I'm just kind of okay with Bama fans just having a just a regular year, just like yeah, oh yeah, just, just wake up a na- just wake up a national champion, <laughs> casually go to work and all that stuff, and we'll see. So till next time, and look, maybe we'll. I would say the probability is high of having some emergency podcast with OC slash DC yeah. hires, and like I said, we'll also have a, a podcast here going into this recruiting weekend with Miami hosting some high school 2022 guys this weekend. So uh, great stuff, Gabby. Uh, Until next time, take care.